my end, I'll pause for a second and then go. Welcome, everybody, to episode 48 of the Beyond Red and Blue podcast. I'm your host, Bo Richards, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Dan Humphrey. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing all right, Bo. Cleaning up a little bit of dog pee, but uh, other than that, I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. I have uh, not had to clean up any any cat treats lately, so... Uh, yeah. It's nice to avoid that kind of thing if you can. Yeah, my cat, luckily, she's still fairly young. She's like seven, I think, now. I guess she's she's turning into the, uh, I think she's now entered the um, late teen phase. Is that how that works with uh, with cats? So I forget. Yeah, how. well, the, like, you know, six years to one year thing is a pretty loose, uh, is it okay? loose guide. Yeah, it kind of gives you a, a rough idea. But that's, yeah, going by that metric, you know, just cats in there. 30s say late 20s to early 30s ish so that's an adult cat that's fair to yeah say. she still acts like an angsty teenager <laughs> so um, but yeah she uh she's very good about the bathroom and being clean she every now and again she'll get poop on the ground but it's she, she doesn't like poop she's pooped once out of like anger <laughs> that sucks um, the cats do that <laughs> yeah it, usually what happens is like poop gets stuck to her butt or like the fur around her butt, and then she'll run oh, around geez. with it and, until it falls off or one of us is able to grab it. Um, and then... <laughs> I'll still yeah, can't. We, uh, <laughs> yeah, she gets real pissed. I don't blame her. Like, the very large person, you know, like comparatively, I'm a lot bigger than the cat. Grabbing for like, your butthole, sure. I'm like coming at her with like a piece of toilet paper, like, let me see your butt, you know, like, <laughs> come here. Like, it, she doesn't have a full tail. Her tail's like three inches long. Okay. And she had like an accident before we got her and uh, um, or maybe she was born that way. I don't know. But it's like curved a little bit. And and so like <laughs> she can cover her butt with her tail, but like just barely. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds so, like my dog. She, uh, yeah. She has so a dog we, tail uh, as well. Right. And so we, we think that she's just self-conscious about that. And I mean, again, you know, we're, <laughs> we're getting near her butt. Like I don't blame her for being unhappy about it, but I'm not trying to get poop everywhere. So, um, yeah. Yeah, do what you gotta yeah, do. We uh, we feed her. She gets she's really finicky about when she gets fed, and uh, so it's uh, six forty five every morning, seven p.m. every night, and she if you're not up at like five forty five or five thirty sometimes even, um, she will wake you up an hour early when she starts to get hungry. Cause I, I think dogs are similar, but cats apparently like they start to produce the acid in their stomach necessary to break food down an hour before oh, they. Yeah. And so that's why oftentimes if you wait to feed them, they'll, they'll, get, they'll, they'll get sick is because they have acid build up in their stomach, I guess. And so they like puke it up because it doesn't feel good. And so when you feed them, it absorbs all the, the acids in their stomach and then it breaks the food down and they can process it. Um, so any, anyone listening with cats, like that's why the, if, they, if they puke up bile, that's generally why it's like they, they're over hungry and their body's like throwing out these acids in their stomach, I guess. And uh, um, so, yeah, she, she'll wake us up. I'm up before then usually, but if I sleep in a bit, she'll scratch the bed, jump on our faces. It's time to get up. So one day we were hanging out with some friends and we didn't get home until like, I don't know, nine, nine o'clock. And we figured she'd be upset because she gets all vocal and pissy. So we open the door to our apartment and there's like a little walkway and on either side is like a uh, the dishwasher, the washer and dryer and then like a closet on the other side. And then it meets at a perpendicular angle to our hallway. And then right in front of that, the walkway is the bathroom door. So it's like in a T. She's sitting directly in front of the bathroom door, staring at the front door 
and right next to her, like within a few inches, is a pile of poop. <laughs> and you know, we're like, oh fuck. And she's like not making any noise and she's just like glaring at us and like shit. So I walk into the bathroom and grab some toilet paper and I go to pick the poop up and it's soft and warm. So what I'm nice pretty sure fresh, happened, eh? <laughs> Yeah. So you know it's fresh. And what I'm pretty sure happened is she heard our car, saw it from the window, because one of the windows she could see out into our parking spots, ran to the bathroom, pooped on the floor, and sat there. I think that's what happened. I don't have any way to prove this. She could have done it 10 (laughs) minutes beforehand and it was still, I don't know, but it was warm and soft. And I was like, I think she saw us and then just sprinted over there, shat on the floor and waited. And was like, how dare you not feed me and make me wait two hours. Um, And then there are other times when she does stuff like this, where she just sits here, all cute on the window seal, (laughs) right next to me. And, uh, but yeah. And so, uh, our cat's a demon. She's fucking uh, evil. It's one of the several reasons I'm a dog person. I like cats, see, but I love dogs. Uh, yeah. See, I, I, I will take demon cat over every dog. Ugh. Most every, most every dog. Um, <laughs> I don't like. I don't like needy animals. Like that's part of it. Is like dogs are very needy, and I have a really. Uh, they can, in the some that can't. There aren't, of course. But uh, my experience, all, we used to have dogs a lot as a kid. Um, I probably had a, half a dozen dogs when I was a kid, maybe more. And we had a lot more cats, but um, but uh, probably close to three or four dozen over the course of my young life. You know, because they run away and we get new litters and they get eaten or killed or whatever, and we give them away and whatnot. But um, all the dogs were like super needy and never left me alone. Mm. They always needed attention. We couldn't have an ind- indoor cat. We didn't have an indoor dog until I like around the time I moved out of college or moved out of the house for college. My sister got an indoor dog um, and all that just because like they were so they were so needy all the time. And I it was just exhausting. And then I had one cat for most of my young life, Pippers. And when she wanted attention, she would come up and get pets and then she'd run away and I wouldn't see her for two days. <laughs> like it was it was great it was like i was like i really wish i could pet the cat right now and she'd just kind of saunter over and i had trained her to where she would i'd sit on the corner of her couch with the armrest and she would jump up on the armrest and stand up and my hand would sit there i put my hand up in the air you know like my elbow on the rest of my arm up in the air and she'd put her head right under my hand so i could scratch it and then she'd go away <laughs> i trained her to do this and uh i took it from uh What's it? The the bad guy from Sonic the Hedgehog, or was it, um, um, Mister uh, Mister uh, 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 Gadget? I think it was the bad oh, guy Inspector from one Gadget? of those two. Oh Inspector yeah, Gadget, yeah, yeah, Claw, yeah, Claw. That's right. Was that that was Inspector Gadget? Yeah. So I, I got it from him because he had that cat, that evil cat, and he would sit there and scratch her, the cat's head on on his armrest, and I was like, I want to do that because I'm a kid and evil i guess and i trained my cat to do that so i put my hand up and she'd jump up and i just scratch her head nice. <laughs> it was the like cool it. this cat doesn't do that but um she, she's untrainable but she does follow me around quite a bit and nice. uh, when she's feeling needy and then she scratches the shit out of you when she doesn't want to be bothered <laughs> but uh, fucking cats <laughs> Well, and just yeah. in case anybody's wondering about my dog, uh, it's not that she is not house trained or anything. She's actually quite old. She's about 12 and a half years old. And for a boxer, that's pretty old. So uh, mm. losing a little bit of control of the faculties, which is unfortunate, but yeah, is what it is. 
Yeah. Is uh, Zero's a rescue boxer? No, no, got her as a pup. Okay. I know yeah. that uh, rescue rescue boxers are uh, very common. Yeah. They're becoming, they're becoming more popular, I guess, popular for people to adopt rescues and um, give them good homes because they're often used as fight dogs. Yeah. Um, and uh, one of my buddies, his mom, mom and dad, they've had, I think, four or five over over the years. Um, they've used, I forget the name of the box. I think it's from down in California, but they, uh, um, they've, they've had quite a few and they're all, they're like some of the gentlest dogs. Like they're, they're actually quite nice. They're fucking um, awesome dogs, man. Yeah. Good family get around kids, all that. Yeah. yeah it's, it, it's the, the misnomer that they get for being bred as fight dogs. And, and it doesn't mean that they can't be, you know, aggressive and stuff, but, um, and it's all be how violent. you raise them. Yeah, Same right. Exactly. Pitbulls and, and staffies and all the rest of it. If you yeah, raise them right, some, they're awesome dogs. Well, yeah, and like some dogs, you know, are going to have a natural predilection towards that thing just based on size and sheer strength and physical capabilities. Some dogs are just bigger and stronger and faster than others. Like you know, their their breeds are, and so they are more conducive to that sort of stuff. But um, you know, no one's really up in arms about uh, Pomeranians being trained as fight dogs because they're fucking <laughs> tiny and useless. You know, it, there's a reason for that. <laughs> that would be so sad. Oh, jeez. Fuck. The Pomeranian Fight League. Oh. <laughs> uh. I love it. What would be... So I have a question, though. The, the, this is probably bad, and hopefully he never hears this, but if Conor McGregor was a dog, what dog would he be? <laughs> Oh geez, what would that Conor McGregor? Because he's what came to my be? mind when I said Pomeranian, because he's so loud and obnoxious. <laughs> well, but, he's, like, he's, he's also, a good athlete. You, know, you got to pick something athletic. He yeah, and I was like, so I got to pick something different. Like, what's a dog that's athletic but also a piece of shit? And yeah, super obnoxious. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> like a fuck, like a Jack Russell Terrier. That's Conor McGregor. Yeah. <laughs> and aren't those aren't those like uh, British Irish too? Aren't they from that area, from the islands? I believe so. Yeah. So that would that would be fitting too. Yeah, and they're um, bred to chase rats, so it's spot on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I hope he never listen. I hope he doesn't listen to podcasts and find out. They get really angry. I'm guessing he's got other stuff going on today. That's true. <laughs> um, but because I don't want to get a knock on my door, it's Conor McGregor and crutches like. And then he wants to fight me, but I can't understand him because of his accent. <laughs> you, you want what? You want you want a drink of water? You need. To by the time the I get the question out, he's now? like, oh, he's already yeah. like hit me. <laughs> and I'm dead. Because let's face it, he's uh, fucking kill me. <laughs> I don't know, man. He's got quite the bankroll. I hate to think that way, but I'd uh, I'd take a few shots from Connor for that uh, for that payout. <laughs> Just saying. That's yeah, some life-changing money there. That's a couple, it's seven or eight, eight figures just to fix my jaw and uh, possibly yeah. my my brain, and then just <clears throat> never have to work again. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> That'd be great. I could pay for in-home care for the rest of my life. It'd be perfect. <laughs> yeah, that'd be. Uh, that's a problem that um, you know a lot of fighters uh, gotta watch out for, and um, a lot of there's a lot of martial art actors who dealt with this too. Uh, and just actors in general, but uh, I remember Wesley Snipes. Apparently, people always used to, maybe they still do, I don't know, but they used to come up to him frequently and like try and start fights with him. Other dudes would do it. 
Interesting. Makes sense though. Yeah. Yeah. And um it happened to him. To and then I heard that um Eddie Murphy was another one. Um, really? Yeah. Oh. Which I found interesting because he's not a martial artist, but um and then Adam Sandler's talked. I think Adam Sandler was actually sued because someone like punched him, so he hit him back and he got something like that. It's like a couple like ten or so years ago. I forget the details, but I, I believe that happened. He at least was like someone tried to fight him and he's like, Why do you want to fight me? Like I'm I'm, I'm a Jewish comedian. <laughs> <laughs> You're a rich Jewish comedian. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I've, I've heard that. Wesley Snipes in particular was the big one that I heard about where like people try and fight him and he's like, because he knows martial arts. And um, I'd actually be curious to know like how, like, is he a legit martial artist or not? That, that I'd actually be very curious to see that. From what there's actually a story to that. From what I understand, he is. And once upon a time, they came very close to booking a, an actual sanctioned fight between him and fucking Joe Rogan. They were going to have a kickboxing oh, that's match. oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. I forgot about that. So that he's, been he's a legit martial artist. I don't know how good he is, but he you know definitely trains. He's he's for real. Yeah. Well, like part of the reason I was curious is because I, I can't remember but i believe he trains the same style of karate that is taught at our gym oh i didn't know that okay yeah and so like he and he um <clears throat> and i don't know because our gym doesn't do the karate portion doesn't do uh sparring like contact sparring yeah and so I, I don't know if that's just how the gym is at the moment i think it used to or if the the style of karate doesn't that well, that's one of the styles that doesn't do sparring um, just based on watching his movies, my guess, even though they're all, you know, obviously choreographed, is that he has some sparring experience. I feel like it'd be very difficult for him to or for anyone to really pull off that kind of stuff, um, even choreographed without having some idea of some sparring. You know, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Like, I've never it's impossible to do jujitsu effectively if you don't spar. So it, it, it's hard for me to say the, the, the striking arts, I, I could see an argument for you being able to shadow box really, you know, play air guitar really well, let's say, and it looks like you're playing, <laughs> but it's like, so I, I, I actually don't know the answer to that, but um, that would be fun to see him. Um, I, I, I'd, I'd pay to see him fight Steven Seagal. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Steven Seagal's got like now, because he's pretty thick now, I think, but he's he's like 6'4". He's really big. Yep. And so I, and Wesley Snipes is like Joe Rogan's size. Like actually they, they would fight and be like the same size. Yeah. Um and so that would be an interesting fight. I'd, like I'd still lean which... towards Snipes. Because I don't think that Seagal has much contact experience. Like I really yeah. understand he's you know, he's an Aikido master or whatever, and uh plenty of training in that but how much actual real-time training is done i don't know uh, yeah yeah no very true and like uh i i i have like memories in my head of watching his movies oh, and yeah. um and i just watched the blade series the the blade trilogy last week and um from my recollection the at least the choreography of the fights was way better in those movies than it ever was in any Steven Seagal movie. <laughs> but it, they were also, most of them were done in the eighties and in the early nineties. And like the fight sequences weren't all that great just in general, you know? Yeah. They weren't. Uh, and so it's not, yeah. Um, and it's also fight choreography. And so it, 
I think you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think even at that time, most of the good choreographers were still in China. Yeah. Like the, the old Kung Fu movies, those were fucking amazing. Like, you know, Jackie Chan era. Those are just yeah. insane. But the right. American martial arts stuff was pretty tepid, to be perfectly honest. I mean, even like when Steven Seagal came out with, uh, I think Above Law was the his breakout one. Um, just doing joint manipulations, arm breaks and stuff. That was so new and crazy. And oh my God, this is amazing. And it doesn't really hold up. You go back and watch it and like, ah, okay. He but, like twists a wrist and the guy does a flip. And I'm like, no, that's yeah, not. Yeah. No. <laughs> Although like, I got to say the, uh, the pool ball in the, uh, in the towel was a nice little touch. You fuck some yeah. dudes up with that. Yeah, that'll fucking that'll fuck people up. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. yeah, that's not an Aikido thing though. That's just using that's the resources. You have at hand. <laughs> yeah, had to using the re- <laughs> using the resources at hand to kill a motherfucker. Like, because yep. that shit will cause damage. Yeah, Damn. big time. Um, yeah, the only real movie I, I, I'm sure there's others, but recent, like the John Wick series, that is pretty badass. Oh yeah, I, that's personally, I think that's. That's top shelf right now. The the yeah, choreography, um, not only the choreography, but the work that Keanu's put in, um, yeah. in order to be able to do it, that's fucking awesome on a bunch of different fronts. Like there's some there's some solid jujitsu in there, not all of it, but there's definitely some solid jujitsu, and then yeah. a bunch of other really cool creative stuff and the way it blends together. Like it, that's top yeah, they shelf did a really opinion. yeah they did a really good job of modifying. Um, his fighting style to include, I, I saw some article or read it, saw a video about it where they, they wanted to mod the choreographers wanted to model his fight sequences after like grappling and stuff, but wanted to incorporate the use of a gun in that. Yeah. Like very heavily. Yeah. And so that you have this modified grappling style, you know, and you see it when he like, he'll like do like a flying arm bar sweep and then he'll move his leg and shoot the guy in the face. Yep. Yep. You know, like this, you know, he he did a lot of sumigeshis, you know, a lot of sacrifice throws and stuff. And then he would like shoot him over when they'd come down and the crazy shit like that. And um, yeah, I think he might even have had a couple of uh, um, uh, case of Gatami takedowns and stuff in there. And um, and uh, stuff that's un- I think would probably actually be unrealistic in a fight. But if you have a gun, like you could kind of do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> and so like, there, you know. But I, it's always made me laugh. Like the the last like four or five years, the um, the increase in like flying triangle and arm bars that you've seen in choreography. Like it's this happened in a couple of other movies as well. And I think in the uh, the um, what's it? Um, what's the uh, Sylvester Stallone movie? Um, mm. With all the all the guys, they're all the old eighties oh, action stars. Uh, Expendables. There we go. I, you see some of that stuff in there. Um, often it's uh, the ladies are doing it when they're fighting um, in some of the movies. I can't think of any movies offhand, but I've seen it like multiple times where they'll they'll do a flying arm bar and then they'll take the person down because they bend their head down and then they they hold an arm bar but don't like break the arm, which I find very interesting. Like they're going to do this incredibly risky move that has a low percentage to, to actually work. And then they don't actually break the arm for a while. They they'll let them get out and then the person stacks them because that's what you do. And it's like, I feel like you could have just broken the arm upon like, yeah, upon <laughs> flying into them. The art, like you could just bridge heavily while you're falling. Like, but I'm also don't not you know a master you're already done? <laughs> yeah, it's like, and I'm not a master at flying arm bars because I don't like leaving the ground. I think that that's terrifying. Um, 
I'm afraid of heights and would prefer to, but I'm fine to butt scoot. So, <laughs> or, or do like low, like do like a John Smith from the Olympics, low single, like ankle, single leg to the ankle. Just so I can be as low to the ground as possible. <laughs> I'm not, I've seen way too many videos where people jump guard and shit. And then like the person they jump guard onto just like loses a leg. Yeah. Cause the angle's wrong and it just like breaks their knee and you're just like done. That's what Danaher said. Is the, the most yeah. injurious movements are uncontrolled body weight, falling, falling yeah. body weight, yeah, falling body weight. And it's like um, that reason alone. Like, I've done one tournament. I'd love to do some more as we open back up. And that one didn't allow guard uh, jumping guard. Um, if I ever do a tournament that allows it, I will just sit with distance and then just manage the flying triangle so I don't lose my face and neck. Because I've heard people dislocate. Yeah. yeah, I've heard people dislocate, uh, heard of people who've dislocated shoulders and um, herniated discs in the neck and stuff from flying triangles from seated when you're seated because oh, really? they, fl- oh, shit. all the, all the falling weight like comes right at your, 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 uh, your shoulders and your neck and your head. Wow. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. It just, yeah. And it's all falling weight. And if you're not prepared for it and you, you don't lean, I think you have to like lean back into it, like with it. Then it's like hitting an airbag. Yeah. You know, you get that, you get that whiplash effect. Um, because you're like leaning forward as you hopefully should be doing when you're seated in, you know, open guard. So you don't get lifted. Yeah. It's, that's terrifying. But yeah, no, I, I love the, I just watched John Wick the other day too. And uh, mm. again, for the first time in a few years, and I was like, God, this, I love, I just love the choreography so and so, so good. It's like, I know that move. I do that in class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In my mind, that finally took the throne for him. Uh, uh, Born Identity, the first one. Like, oh, when that yeah. came out, that was some outstanding choreography. Different that flavor, of course, but yeah, that was, that yeah. was notable. Much more uh, brute force hand-to-hand combat. I, I, I never did look it up, but I have to imagine it. There was some, was it like Silat or Kali or something? Maybe even some Krav Maga. Um, or uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was based in something like that. From what I understand, those three are they're Eastern and um, Eastern Bloc, uh, or maybe Middle Eastern, I think. Yeah. And they're more, they're more hand or combat oriented with weapons. Yeah. Well, so I think I Kali, that's, that's part of the Filipino martial arts. But, that's what it is. Um, Kali's the yeah. Filipino one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, Krav Maga is middle, that's Israeli. Israeli, yep. And then Silat, I can't remember but I, I uh, where that is, but I, I believe that might also be Middle Eastern. Okay. Um, but yeah, I know that was awesome. I, I, I wonder about the legitimacy of it too, but uh, I think that, I mean, it, it didn't seem that far-fetched to me thinking about how good boxers are with their hands. Yeah. I just, I just remember at the time, like when did that come out? Like early nineties or something, mid nineties. Um, yeah. Like 90, 99. It was 1999. Okay. Okay. Um, it came across as so much more practical. Yeah. Like where all the other fight sequences were at the time. And then when that came out, like, Oh dude, that will actually work type of thing. It's what it felt like at least. So yeah. It, yeah, no, very true. It felt like what I imagine, actual self-defense street self-defense training should be like yeah right um 
you know, most jujitsu places advertises like self-defense and street self-defense, that kind of stuff. And, you know, you have the Gracie lineage of which, you know, obviously we're an affiliate of under Pedro and they tout that street self-defense stuff. Um, and then they have a small section for, uh, usually for black belt testing on weapons. Um, and you have to know, know how to do certain things and then you can test and get your belt usually, or, and, and, and the like, and you spend a few months maybe doing that so you can get them down and then you're good to go with knives, apparently, I guess. <laughs> um, but I, my, I remember thinking back on, on those sequences, that that's what I imagine actual knife training would be like, like, even though he's using, he uses a pen and like a book and shit, it's like, you have to know, like what people are trying to do and where they're trying to hit you. Yeah. <clears throat> and you're like, you're going to get hit. And so the only way that that actually works is if you understand like where this person's trying to go and you can block it appropriately and take damage. Cause that's the other thing I liked about it a lot is that Matt Damon gets fucked up in yeah. every fight he's in, he gets fucked up in some way, even though he's very good, he's fighting people who are good. And it's like, it's much more realistic. I think that there's like this, uh, there's this misnomer that, you know, if you know how to fight and no self-defense, like you're not going to get hurt. And it's like, you, uh, I, I've heard you listen to anyone who like trains knives and guns. And like one of the first things anyone legit will say is if you're in a knife fight, you're going to get stabbed. Yep. Well, or you're going to get fight, cut. The winner goes to the hospital and the loser goes to the morgue. That's how that works yeah. out. Yeah. Right. And it's like, and there's this perception outside of those very real people who understand that, who are like, oh, if you just learn how to like disarm, you're fine. And it's like, no, like you're probably going to at the bare minimum need stitches. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you, you, like if you're going to get into a knife fight, you might as well. You, you better reconcile that immediately before you engage. Yeah. Because if you go in thinking you're just going to, you know, put an X up and block the hand and then like turn them and then, you know, sl- ch- karate chop the hand and like get rid of the <laughs> knife. It's like, no. You're probably going to grab the blade on accident and get your fucking hand sliced open. And then you're going to get stabbed in a rib and it's going to hit the bone and it's going to hurt. And then the person's going to lose the knife and then you're going to be with a knife bleeding and in pain and someone might die. Yep. Something crazy like that. And it's like, well, you, if you're at least aware of that and you're like, OK, I'm probably going to get stabbed today. You can at least, you know, enter into the fray knowing that that's going to happen versus being shocked by it and then getting killed yeah because you just didn't expect to get stabbed and then it's like oh god my shit doesn't work what am i gonna do it's like well i i got one st- i got one stabbing in me that's what i got so <laughs> i better make sure they don't get an organ or an eye so that I can, <laughs> well i mean that's so that that another good point a, a serious serious knife fighter is gonna take a sewing machine tactic like particularly you know if somebody's done time or something like that <clears throat> it's not the one overhead fucking no. uh you know that you Halloween can actually like, block. like yeah yeah no it's not of that it is coming at your guts like a sewing machine rapid yeah. as they can possibly do it um and it happens so fast the few videos i've seen online of uh, knife encounters i don't think i've ever actually seen a knife against a knife fight like actual squaring off kind of thing but knife attack i guess you would say this shit yeah. happens so fast there's yeah, zero time to think. All you do is react. However, that you've already trained, not anything yeah. you're thinking about you're going to do. It's what you've already trained. Uh, then you just react that way. Yep. It's crazy and if shit. You're looking at three, four, five stabs a second. Yeah. Like it's, it's very quick and it, that's enough to kill you right there. Yep. Yeah. And it, um, so don't get in knife fights, kids. 
Yeah. I just don't <laughs> get in fights in general, but it's like, I don't have enough of an ego. I, I, I like to think that in a situation like that, I would not have a big enough ego to just want to fight. I think I would just be like, what do you want? And I'll give it to you outside yeah. of like, like rape. <laughs> right. Like, I'll give it to you. Like if it's going to come to that, we might as well just fight to the death. Cause like, right. I, you, you, you know, like, okay. Yeah. Um, you know, especially like with my spouse, like I just like, no, 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 we can just fight to the death. Like uh, I will die for this. But if you want my credit card, like you can just fucking have my credit card. I don't care. Yeah. My, my phone's a piece of shit. Take it. I don't even, <laughs> it's like an iPhone six. I don't, I think it starting like next year, I won't even accept updates so you can have it. You got a solid six months. I'm going to cancel everything as soon as I get home. Like, I just don't give a shit, you know, and I, whatever, just take what you want, you know? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's fucking terrifying. Yeah. It's the, um, I definitely enjoyed the realism of the, the seeming realism of, of that movie of, of, of the Bourne movies. Just, yeah. You know, especially with like how quick everything occurred too, and yeah, um, and I like the ingenuity of like, like when he like hurt someone with a book, and then he beat the shit out of someone with a magazine, yep. like in, in the second one, just yeah. like fuck someone up, slapping him with a magazine. <laughs> Improvised weapons, man, can do a lot. And then, and then on the opposite end of that, you have like, um, what is it, Vin Diesel in, in Chronicles of Riddick, when he's like in that prison in like that's inside of like a volcano or whatever and he's like i will kill you with this like coffee cup and like dudes <laughs> run, run at him and he like hits it hits him in the heart and their heart stops and <laughs> yeah that'll work <laughs> it's like what's uh, it? it's like vin diesel's very strong and i you could probably like puncture skin if you hit someone hard enough with a coffee mug like a metal one sure um but i i don't think you're gonna stop the heart i don't know i He's got that. that he's got the five finger death touch going on just through the coffee cup. Yeah, so. like he did throw a little bit of the death touch. Which, and I, when I saw that, I was like, "Come on, Vin! Like, <laughs> come on, Vin Diesel! Like, you know better than this. Like, your, your whole your your guy's bane. Like, he he kills everyone on brute strength, not on death touches. <laughs> you know, like you should you should do better. Like, you should have." <laughs> You should have hit him so hard in the face that you, you know, crushed his orbital bone and and then his eye was like gone like that. Maybe that's that's probably realistic. Yeah. You get a metal coffee cup. You could probably and you like full on face somebody. You probably break an orbital bone and dis, dislodge their eye. I, I could see that being a thing. Yeah. Or at least breaking it into the into the nose and the bridge of the nose and all that, like and just like causing severe damage. Um, that's that fine. But. Sucks super bad for sure. Do we know if if uh, Vin Diesel is a martial artist or is he just an actor? I think he's just an actor. Okay. I don't think he trains anywhere. Um, I don't know. He's probably done some like light uh, light. He's probably done some MMA training to to fight for his roles, but uh, to do his the choreography and stuff. But because um, he's fought in like most of his movies except for Boiler Room. Yeah. I mean, you know, he he fought a good a, a little bit or more and more in the fast. Fast, Fast and the Furious series, as, as as they've gone from one to nine, he's just fought progressively more, um, and done more ridiculous car stunts. And he's got a white brother, which is interesting. In the number nine, <laughs> John Cena's his brother, so I I'm not really sure what to make of that. But and they look and the, they look nothing alike. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I, I'm still gonna go see it. But um, yeah, I don't know if he does much fighting. Uh, 
Got a solid six think. months of Tai Bo under his belt. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, someone like uh, um, uh, what what's his face? The guy who plays Drax in a uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I never actually saw that. He's a. Uh, well, I can't think of his name. He's a, a pro wrestler guy as well, um, but he he's got a blue belt in jujitsu, maybe a purple belt now. Um, I forget what where Jimmy trains at, but it's down in California. Um, Jason Momoa, I think, has got a blue belt as well. That's fucking scary. That's too big yeah. of a human being to learn how to grapple. No, Oof. very yeah, like he's big, and and the other guy too. Like I said, I can't. I don't know why I'm blanking on his name, but he's also he's six six two fifty two sixty, and <laughs> he actually I think he's bigger than Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa's big. I think this guy's actually bigger. Um, I saw a video of uh, the Jimmy trains that they do the uh, that stupid thing where they like hit you with your belt. The you do the walk, and then they everyone oh, yeah, slaps yeah, you. Yeah. Um, for some reason, and so like everyone's like slapping him, and he's just like sauntering down. And back like it ain't no thing because he's 250 like 250 pounds of muscle yeah um him yeah him as a blue both of those two as a blue belt is just terrifying like i um i i do i would grapple jason momoa i would have zero problem with it it would be i would try it but um just to know what it feels like to have someone fully stand up while i have a triangle locked <laughs> and then know that i was near death and like walk around get himself a drink of water come back yeah and, and then he's he's like it's like, are you ready to die? <laughs> it's like, yes, Jason Momoa, this is really fun. <laughs> Thank you for granting me this last wish <laughs> before death. Because <laughs> he was fucking gigantic. Yeah, there's been a good number of uh, um, Hollywood guys who've uh, who've trained. Yeah, um, who would you Paul roll? Who, who famous would you roll with? Uh, I would for sure roll with Paul Walker. Okay. Um. For sure, Dave Mustaine. That's right. I forgot he trains. He's yeah. a pur- he's a purple belt. Um, okay. Ashton Kutcher's a brown belt for one of the Bachata brothers. Yeah. Uh, I think he I think Keegan. Um, and I actually like Ashton Kutcher, so I would I would roll with him for sure. Uh, yeah, he'd be high he, on my I list. Feel, yeah, I feel like Keanu would be fun to roll with. He just seems like a really cool fucking dude. Dude, hundred um, percent all yep. around. Yeah. Um, let's see. I I'd, I'd want to do it with all the like guy Richie. He's a black belt. Yeah, you know he's a world world class. He's a Henzo uh, black belt, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's a Henzo yeah. black belt, world class black uh, a director. Like, I don't know much about him, but it'd be interesting because yep. he makes some w- weird movies. I love his movies. They're but they're really fucking weird. Um, he's got that. Uh, he's like Stanley Kubrick. You know, he's just got that that something weird going on up there. Yeah, yeah. And um, but. Uh, Trying to think of who else I know that um Maynard James Keenan from Tool. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I, I know that was a big one for you. Yeah. Because he's just such a, a unique individual, like all around, he probably rolls a bit different. Like oh, yeah. that would probably be a pretty cool experience just to see what no. he does. He's uh I feel like if he hasn't met John Donner, those two would become like best friends. I agree. Because because yeah. Donner is like huge into philosophy. Yep. And the shit that he writes about in his songs, James Maynard Keenan, it's it's fucking deep, dude. Yep. I've gone through his lyrics before and he's like he's like dropping quotes from Carl Jung, who's like considered the, like one of the most insane psychologists ever. Um he'll he'll throw out phil- philosopher quotes and talk about super deep shit like it's it's crazy. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's big abs- time. Abs- absolutely <clears throat> crazy. Like he, he's, he's got a mind, a crazy mind. And, um, but yeah, I like him. Uh, I'm sure there's a few others, but I, I'm, I'm blanking on who else. Um, I'd like to, to roll with Ed O'Neill. I mean, he's a bit older. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Long time black belt. That'd be fun. That's right. Yeah. He just got his black belt. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, he's been in black belt for like 20 years. This has been 20 years now. Okay. I remember yeah, seeing a video yeah. about it a, a year or two ago and I thought it was recent. No, um, it's, it's older. That's crazy though. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So his uh, James Maynard Keenan, his song 46 and two, like one of their more famous songs by mm-hmm. tool is a Carl Jung concept. Essentially it's about um, like reaching an enlightened state such that you have additional chromosomes that like your, your DNA like develops additional chromosomes that like um, pushes you to an enlightened state of consciousness and in, in, in being in the world. Hmm. It's like, it's fucking like absolutely it's out there crazy. Um, and so he just like, I'm just going to write a really popular rock song about that. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Yeah. It's like, I would roll with you. Like, that's really cool, man. Like, I like that shit. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's dope. Super um, smart, hard worker. We'll do all the tool shit. Like musically, at every yeah. level, it is that interesting and complex. Like harmonically, the all of the musicians are fucking amazing. Danny Carey, of course, one of the best drummers ever. That's yeah. the way they put it all together. Yeah, tool's awesome. People know that. No, very true. Um, I don't have any boxing experience, but I would box with Danny Trejo. Oh shit! Because I like I, I love that guy, and yeah. uh, he uh, he was a. Uh, I don't think he has any formal boxing training. Maybe he has some, but um, he learned all of his boxing fight. I think fighting a bit as a kid, but mostly in the penal system. Right. He grew up doing prison boxing, and um, a lot of a lot of prisons around the country or the world, maybe, but the country they have boxing programs and fights, and I think they even do inner prison fights. I don't know, but uh, they they have tournaments and stuff for the, with the prisoners, and he was very good, or at least good enough, you know, in terms of in prison and i uh, i'm sure he wasn't bad compared to like professional boxers they have much more time to do shit and they don't care so (laughs) true (laughs) well different it's a a little bit different of a vibe yeah but uh that'd be it'd just be fun because i I like him he's hilarious and i love most everything that he does (laughs) i also feel like he'd just be like one of those cool guys to to let kick my ass and have a beer with later you know (laughs) yeah that'd uh, be good i like that yeah, I'm sure I'll think of some other ones too after we uh, stop recording. Be like, oh yeah, there's another person who, <laughs> you know, who, who who grapples, and I can't, I couldn't remember, you know, but because uh, um, it's becoming more and more popular, just as a way to stay in shape, but also is um, protect yourself if you need to, and yeah, um, and that kind of thing. Because it, you know, is as much as I was sort of making fun of self defense stuff earlier about how it's taught and practiced. I I do think that. Um, martial arts that are stress test tested do provide a, a solid foundation for these kinds of altercations. Yeah. Um, well, I think particularly for women and like, you know, rape prevention type stuff, just given the nature of the, the crime there. Um, yeah, you're not going to get much better in jujitsu, you know? Yep. Right. Yep. No, very true. Um, yeah, maybe wrestling, but cause of its intensity. Right. Um, and, and it, there's, it's also, there's a smother factor cause you're pinned. And Still, so, see, they're not learning how to fight off their back though. 
that, 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 that would be the downside. Yeah. Yeah. And so like, um, and this is actually why I like personally when I teach and what I'm learning, I like to learn both. I love learning about wrestling stuff yeah. um, in the intensities because like one of the knocks that I have against jujitsu is that it, it's also a benefit, but because like you and I in particular, like we're hobbyists. And so one of the things I love about jujitsu, I also don't like about it, which is it, the ability to train all the time lightly. Right. Like it's, it's a great thing, but fights in the real world aren't light training that you can do all the time. Yeah. They're, a huge adrenaline rush they're, they're super intense they're very violent um and like a lot a lot's getting thrown at you very quickly and if you don't train that you're it's hard to say or to really know or to actually be prepared for it like that's just the nature of the beast you know if, if you just shadow box and hit the bag all the time and then you never actually box with a person like there's a difference Right. That's why difference. you need to, you have to actually spar and learn how to punch someone while you're getting punched at, and then know what it's like to get punched in the face. You know, you mentioned rape prevention, like, or just getting held down in general. Like yeah. it would seem, it would seem reasonable to me that in those scenarios, that if you spend a lot of time in those positions and things are amped up, you're going to be more comfortable in those positions over time. Because it's not a novelty position for you, you know, and, and it's like, okay, well, let's say you use rape prevention. Like, let's, how, how do you, you know, create a scenario where someone's going to be a larger attacker will be on top of a woman in whatever those positions would be in a height, you know, heightened anxiety situation where there, you know, there's physicality and it's like safe. That's like, rolling. You know, that's rolling like that, that's yeah. for the most part you know minus like what i would assume is like a hair pulling of course, um yeah. but like holding wrists i mean even uh both hands on the neck choking yeah. is a I, I know it's generally not done too much in gyms because it's it, that kind of choking is illegal in competition um which is I, it actually really? I just with. thought it was yeah. dumb <laughs> it's easily no, it, defended it's, that's not it's, legal it's, huh? it's, it's i believe it's illegal in most competitions uh, um interesting I, I actually don't understand um why but maybe it's the the pressure from the inside. Uh, the hand can like hurt the karate. I don't know. I guess if you, if you if you pushed hard, like in a jerking motion, like if you're yeah, like, everything's going super fast, you could mess up a trachea. I could see that. I it, suppose that would be my thought. Um, we'll have to ask uh, if Sean's listening to this. He's probably like shaking his head like idiots. <laughs> the the answer is obvious. <laughs> But um, it's all on page 43. Read the manual. Yeah, of, of the IBJJF manual. He, he probably <laughs> hasn't read the manual because I don't think he likes the IBJJF. But um, I, I do believe I'm pretty certain, in fact, that it's illegal, though, which I don't I don't agree with because, A, it's realistic. So people will do that. So if there's some crossover between competition and real life situations, I think that that, that should be um, allowed. Um, and also framing against the throat is a good frame. Uh, yeah, I've done it from the bottom a bunch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, someone tries <laughs> to pass my away. guard. Like, it, I, I, I have no problem coming up like in the training room, like up against the side or the front of the throat, the bottom part, and framing away. Yeah, um, I try to do the side so as to not like actually like hit trachea hard because it doesn't feel good. But framing doesn't feel. If you do framing properly, your partner should not like it anyways. So, well, if you're rolling it, if with that big of a deal, that, yeah. stop applying pressure. Meaning the other person is trying to pass. Like that's the thing. Yeah. It's not a strike. It's a frame that's in the way. If you push into it, that's on you. 
Right. That's exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And so like, like you were saying though, like rolling is, you can, you can actively simulate clothed, of course, um, semi high intensity positions that are likely to come up in, you know, like a sexual assault situation. Yeah. Um, and, and additionally, that, that position in particular, if you're on uh, you know bottom guard of whatever form it may end up being, um, the strength disparity between men and women, it gets to be a lot less because then you have full use of your legs, right? And women's yeah. legs are almost as strong as men's legs, very competitive. Um, that's, that's a very favorable place to be when you're... Yeah, it's the arm strength that... In, in yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 that's the, the, the biggest... Uh, I think outside of grip strength, or maybe it's hand size, I think it's both. Um, that's like the major differences between men and women is like a 30% more upper body strength. Yeah. Which is insane. Um, I'm sure someone's done numbers on this, but I would imagine that in, say, like a boxing match or a wrestling match, that difference is probably a couple of weight classes. That sounds right. Yeah. Um, I said, I'm sure someone's done research into, into that to determine the weight classes that there are in boxing and in wrestling and judo and stuff. Um, cause the strength disparities are, are huge between weight classes. Yeah. And so it's, um, it's in, in the more violent sports, like the boxing, judo and wrestling in particular, there's a reason they don't have an absolute. Hmm. It's because someone who's of average size or slightly above average would never win at a high level. I, I, I don't think that anyone would beat a 285-pound wrestler in an open grappling match. Like, no matter how good, like, I actually would pay to see this, but I'd love to see someone like Kale Sanderson, you know, considered like the greatest, at least the greatest collegiate wrestler ever. And I don't think there's actually a debate over that. Um, personally, people probably would say that more so Kyle than Burroughs, huh? Gotta... Well, so Burroughs, for, for, from a college standpoint, Burroughs was good, but he really peaked after college. Like he, okay, he just had, he just had two NCAA titles, if I remember correctly. Okay. Um, Kale went undefeated through all of college and won four national titles. He never lost, and then he went on to win the gold, like three months after or something, two months after he won his last uh, uh, world title or Olympics. Remember right, but. Um, but like Kyle Dake won four national titles, but he lost a few times, but he did it in four weight classes and Kale mm. didn't do that. He did it in two. And so like, there's, there's some argument to be had, like, okay, of the collegiate wrestlers, these guys, you know, I think Pat Smith, he was, uh, um, he had like one loss or he was undefeated, but only wrestled three years because freshmen couldn't wrestle, um, something like that. But, uh, I forget exactly, but, um, like I'd love to see one of these guys wrestle a very good 285 pounder, you know, um, let's say a Brock Lesnar, right? Like he, he was a decent wrestler. Steve Mako, I think probably would be considered a better heavyweight. I think he was much more dominant from what I understand, but, um, like he, you just pick a guy that's 285. Uh, I, I think even, um, Z uh, not Zack Snyder, um, I forget his first name, but there's a, there's a Snyder kid now who's a, he's actually like 240 pounds, but he wrestles heavyweight. And like, I, I think that just the discrepancy there, like in size and strength would be too strong. And so, um, you, you get 40 pounds up for, for 50 pounds, 80 pounds for an explosive sport like that. I, I just, I just don't see it. Jiu-Jitsu is the only sport that allows that because it allows from fighting on your back. And, um, 
I think that's really it is yeah, that you, you that can, you have, thi- you have things to do on the ground. Right. Um, whereas in like in, in, in the other three sports I mentioned, there's, there either is no ground you lose on the ground or you can't attack from the ground. Cause I don't think judokas can, uh, judo practitioners can attack when they're on the ground. If someone's on top, I think they have to, tur- the whole point is to turtle up so you don't get pinned because they still have mm. pinning rules. Right. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that, uh, there would be a tough sell and like, so that that comes up. And if you can neutralize some of that strength in a, in like a self-defense fight, like I said, especially if you're a girl by having access to your legs in particular, if they, if the person doesn't have access to their legs, so they're in your guard basically, yep. then, I mean, you can really, you need to know what you're doing, but you can nullify that disadvantage. Um, cause now you have four limbs against two. Yeah. And if, if your attacker is untrained and uh, has nefarious purposes and they are reaching for their own pants or whatever, um, yeah. there's triangles and arm bars galore. And at the very the Henzo, least, Henzo kick to the face. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I know it's a. There's definitely what's one of the reasons I like Tim Kennedy is because whenever I see him not post something on Instagram about shooting guns and doing tactical training. He has, he always talks and shows and videos and stuff about the jujitsu training that he does. And most of it, either him or his buddy has a, it's fake, but they have a knife. And so basically just, I think he does most of his grappling or just the stuff he posts about is like just legit grappling with a knife. Yeah. And so you you always have to worry about getting hit. He's like posted pictures of like getting cut with a plastic knife on the side of the eye and shit. Cause yeah. it's, you know, you're still going to get cut. Um, and it, so I've seen some videos where like the guy's like not going soft either. Like the dude's no, like, Oh, not at all. They're switching, switching hands with the weapons and everything. And like, like trying to pass the guard yeah. and like trying to like, and it's like, you know, that probably a little bit more intense than I'm going to let my kids do. Um, <laughs> cause one of them is going to lose an eye if I start, if I keep doing that shit. But, um, our kids like, were the, in the train, just like Tim Kennedy. <laughs> yeah, Go over here and like, get your knives. <laughs> You don't get a cut on the eye. You weren't trying hard enough. <laughs> like, <laughs> but yeah, no, I know. I definitely think that uh, I've been wanting to incorporate more of that stuff into training. Yeah, me too. So that it, um, it, cause it, it just kind of heighten the intensity with which people grapple too. And um, you know, if there's, I, I kids, like I've had kids wear um, boxing mitts, pads right and we have yeah. a bunch of pads so you, for for um for boxing and they'll hit each other in the face with the pads it's a big target and easy yeah. to see and I, I think i'm gonna stop because i taught them how to trap and roll and so now they're hitting each other and then their buddies are trapping their arm but then they can't turn their palm up oh, yeah, because the mitt's too yeah. big yeah. and like they have flexible wrists because they're kids but i'm sure that one of the kids is just gonna fall weird and fuck a wrist up wrist up yeah. Um, and so um, I don't know if the padding will soften the blow and not allow for a wrist to blow out, but um, we have, I think, small gloves. So I think I'll go with those. But, um, but yeah, once you like start hitting each other in the face, like the intensity goes from like three to like eight. Instantly. Yeah. <laughs> Instantly. Um, the kids laugh when they think it's fun. Like I give them this big pad and then they laugh a lot of the time, but they still don't like it hit the face. I think if I give them gloves, they won't laugh as much because they'll be able to punch a little bit more. But I like to mix that in every bit, every now and again, but I guess it's kind of what we're doing this for is like, 
hit your, hit your buddy in the face. And it's funny because like typically the girls, they won't do it. They'll like pretend. And there's always and a lot of the boys will, too. And there's always like one or two boys. They're the, like the a little more competitive or like maybe aggressive ones. They're like and I'll always put them together because if I if I like split, the, there's always two. And if I split them up, they're going to knock some poor kid out because they don't know how to punch and they don't they don't know how to like regulate. And I put them together and they're off in a corner just having the time of their life, like laughing, getting socked in the face and they just love it. And they're best friends. Nice. And I'm like, OK, like hopefully they don't do this at school because they're going to fuck some kid up, get expelled. And I'm going to get a call from a parent. <laughs> well, no, I was get it out of your system, right? Like, yeah, take away all the mystery, even even for like for weapons training. Like, you know, that initial, you know, like the, the very beginning white belt and you get up to, you know, a stripe or two where it's just a an astounding difference when you finally just learn the very, very basics, right? The most incredible, stupid shit not to do. You learn what that is. I think the same would apply for weapons training. You know, if you had to grapple with a knife to, to get just enough training so you know the incredibly stupid shit not to do, I think that would be incredibly beneficial. Yeah. And um, I don't know much about knife fighting in general, but my thought is that a lot of the knife prevention stuff that's taught in jiu-jitsu schools is not what you're describing. I would agree. Yes. Um, and so it, it would seem to me that, um, and the reason I say that is that as I understand it, most of the common knife training in particular that a lot of the Gracie lineages do is the same shit that's been shown for years. Yeah. And it's like, I have to, I have to imagine that as jujitsu has grown as um, combat and tactical skills have de- evolved and developed because tactical skills have developed too, knife and gun mm-hmm. tactical skills. They have seminars now, the more seminars now than ever where you can go for like a weekend or a week or whatever. And the whole purpose is to just do like gun and knife training, like learn how to like holster, you know, pull your gun out of the holster, fire weapons, do it while moving, add in tucks and rolls, take apart a gun, um, you know, in, in knife fighting. It's like, if people are doing this kind of shit more and more, they're going to figure out better methods than someone tries to stab you overhand, like Michael Myers from Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> and then you somehow manage to sidestep, but then catch him in an Americana. Yeah. It's not that's one happen. of the moves. <laughs> it's and just not going like, to happen. And it's like, that'll be the only American I hit this year is on the guy trying to kill me with a knife. It's like, see, Americanos work. Uh, you know, it, it is like, I, which isn't to knock so much on that. That may actually be a thing that works. I'm dubious. Um, yeah. I feel like people are going to come, like you said, low knife at the belly, vital organs. Like, it seems like, like to me, yeah. like, yeah, it seems to me like the the attack method would be similar to that of a knife or uh, of a gun, which is to aim center mass because it's a bigger surface area. Yeah. Like you only aim for the limbs when you're playing like GoldenEye 007 and you don't want to kill the bad guys. Like, you know, on the on, on Nintendo 64, like that's yeah. what you, you, you hit them and they don't die, but their arms bleed. And anyways, it's a thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not the only one who does this. I'm not a psychopath. This yeah, is no, like a totally thing. Right. That, um, um, I think there there might be an, an exception for um, incredibly emotional situations, like a an angry woman coming at you with a knife. She might try and slash your face. Uh, something yeah. tells me that 
your face as a target if the emotions are high enough. But yeah, in general, it's rapid body stabs. Yep. That's, at least that's what I've seen on various videos. That's what I see in all the prison movies too. Yep. <laughs> it's the 85 stabs. Yep. Um, but And I imagine that there's some grain of truth to that from people who've been to prison and seen it you know I, I, well um, they train it maybe yeah. <laughs> they, they fucking train it in their whatever way they can but uh in any of the uh the maximum security places those guys train all that shit they're fucking gladiators that's a yeah that's a hell my, i want no part of yeah my dad was in minimum security and then or may have been medium for a bit but he was transferred at least to minimum and then he was transferred to a prison that um is uh for essentially the physically disabled, those who can't work, um, mm. do a lot of the physical labor that, um, most prisoners do during the day. And, um, and he, cause he's got really bad sciatic pain and has had it for years. He fucked his back up when he was a teenager. And so that allowed him to get transferred. But, um, in all the places he was in, in Washington, he said that, um, even in, in the, the prison he went to for those who were disabled, I think it was called Tonham view. Um, they were working out all the time as much as they could. They were working out less. Some, you know, some of the guys couldn't do their wheelchair bound or whatever, but in the minimum security in particular, it was, you didn't have a lot. You had a lot of time. Yep. And so like you, most people just worked out. Yep. You not like you do five sets of 20 push ups, and then that's your chest day or that's, you know, your, <laughs> that's your push up regimen. It was like a thousand push ups a day. Yeah. And you just, it after like the third day, you got over the pain, yeah. you know, and then, um, Mad plate burpees. Lifts and, yeah, lots of, burpees. yeah, like it just did crazy shit. And like, my dad's always had a bit of a belly, like my grandfather, cause it, and cause they like their ice cream and their beer. And, uh, he came out, he came out, he had put on 20 pounds of muscle, maybe 30 and was in the, like the best physical shape of his life. That's a pretty common scenario. Yeah. Yeah. And he was also clean at the time too so like that helped obviously that's good that's not always what happens so no but um he yeah he cleaned up prison saved his life he was off heroin for quite a while but um, so that helped him obviously get in a better mindset and so um, mentally and physically but yeah he was in ridiculously good shape and then quickly got out of shape because he didn't go to the gym when he got out but yeah they, they they're fucking crazy i mean when you have 18 hours 16 hours a day to do whatever the fuck you want or not whatever you want, but you have like limited <laughs> options, but you can shoot, you have like a few options and you can choose, but you have a lot of time. It's like, yeah, it's not surprising to me that they have, you know, they have uh, the penitentiary workout system and, um, th- this, the numbers of inmates who are getting graduate level degrees is rapidly growing, mm. getting masters and PhD, PhDs and shit. Cause they have nothing better to do. Yeah. What else are you going to do? That makes sense. And it's like, uh, you know, um, I don't know the numbers on this, but I know that there's a good number of people who were writing uh, records. Um, Little Wayne obviously was famous for it because he went to prison what ten years ago for some drug thing, and then he had the, he wrote an album and released it while in prison or like right after he got out. Hmm. Um, but other people have done shit like that too. And with social media being the way it is and streaming services. And what I would assume is more access to the internet now. My dad didn't have much access when he was there, but um, you know, you can you can learn how to become a recording artist and then write lyrics 
from your cell and then record it with cheap equipment and still, I mean, I'm using audacity to record my end of our podcast yeah. and you could probably, it might not be a great album, but you could record. For it sure. has the funk I've looked through. It has the functionality to record an album. Yeah. You know, I mean, you could, they used to do it with eight track players and shit back in like the sixties. So you, you could, you could just do that. I'm sure they have eight track players in prison. <laughs> if they have nothing, they have nothing. They might have those, and so it's like you can just figure it out, you know. But um, but yeah, he, uh, a lot of chess. DJ Convict coming to you live from the D Block. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a DJ Convict. That's a good one, actually. <laughs> but yeah, I know it's a crazy, crazy intensity in the penal systems, in particular. Like, yeah. But all of which is to say, those are the guys that are actually trying to uh, fucking kill each other with these weapons and they train for it. So if you want to see what a real knife fight looks like, that's a pretty good, pretty good example. Yeah, no, very true. I'd actually like to see the, um, there's a slight subject change, but it has to do with the penal system. I'd, I'd like, I'm sure there is, if there isn't, I'd like to see the data on like recidivism rates from inmates who get High, um, post graduate degrees mm. or yeah, just get their uh, get their college degree because I, if I remember correctly I believe that the percentage is quite high of inmates who don't have a high school diploma right um, I don't think it's a majority but I believe it's it, it's a fairly high minority and that doesn't surprise me too much um, for a host of reasons but uh I'd be curious to see if doing something like getting a secondary education, whether it's a tech school, trade school, or like just a bachelor's or master's PhD, whatever, um, helps these helps convicts um, stay out of prison once they get out. That's a super good question. I'm curious about that too now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not sold that everyone should get a bachelor's degree. Um, bachelor's degrees are the new high school diplomas. You know, when our, when our parents and grandparents were kids, you could get a high school diploma, go get a low level job, work at a company for 30 years, 40 years, maybe 50, and then have it, get enough raises and enough bumps and pay enough raises and like in whatnot and a pension and all that, that you could buy a house, have a vacation home and a boat, two kids, put them through college and then retire on one income. Yeah. Like all that kind of stuff. We, you know, studies have found to be very true, you know, and you literally can't do that anymore unless you live in the middle of Michigan or Nebraska where there's nothing. Even then good luck. And, yeah. Yeah. And so like needing, you need the bachelor's degree to some degree, um, in order to get a regular job because the high school diploma won't cut it. However, our post secondary education is shit. It's, you know, overrun with politics and identity politics at that yeah. everywhere. Um, that, that is actually the case, at least at the higher level institutions. I don't know the degree it's the case at, um, community colleges and lower level colleges, but all the higher level ones are overrun. And so it's like, and it's overpriced. So, but everyone feels compelled to go 
and no one wants to get a trade school job. So That's trade right. schools are they're cheaper. No one's in them and the pay and benefits are good. Yeah. And they're not as desirable socially, right? It's they're not 9 to 5 sit at your desk, go soft, go home and have a beer have dinner and sit and watch tv with your wife kind of job you know like being mechanics and electricians and shit are tough still though i mean dude if i had to do over again um i probably would go into the trades of some sort um yeah just be and, and partially because it would be an active job like being stuck That's in a thing. cubicle for 30 years that shit will kill you that's fucking terrible yeah. so i'd much and rather have a job yeah. where i'm moving around a bit and that doesn't to say that like you know, uh, um, one of the guys who's trained at our gym, he stopped mostly because he got hurt, but he's a mechanic. And I guess he's a very good mechanic, and he's not like the the the, the manager or the head head mechanic at, at the place he works. But, like, he crushed his hand working on a car, and he'll have nerve damage for the rest of his life. Yeah. He did. He's, he's got to, he had to, like, have it cut, like, through the finger all the way down through the bone. Like, oh, wow. and you can see the scar. He can't open his hand all the way. And, like, if he actually works on cars now for too long, like, his hand will get sore at the end of the day. Like, he's got, like, it's obviously it's physical and, and it sucks. You know, and I've heard that diesel mechanics in particular have, like, shitty jobs. They're just, like, covered in oil and it's really difficult. And, mm. you know, they're constantly getting hurt and their hands, you know, you get arthritic and shit because you're, like, it's not easy, but it's like you're making good money. The benefits are great. And it allows you to, you know, take care of your family. And humans are malleable creatures, in particular kids. And so, you know, it, it, you, it, not everyone is set out, is cut out to learn the way that our college system is structured currently. Yeah. That doesn't mean that they're dumb. It just means that they're not cut out to learn the way that college systems are structured right now. And so trade schools are structured a little bit differently. It's much more hands-on. Like you said, it's on-the-job experience. They often um, have uh, um, job shadowing and stuff like that and uh, things you, you have to do as part of it. So you can go like get an internship somewhere and get on the job training while you're going to school like things like that so that you actually can gain experience yeah not every college uh, within colleges you know like so business or um science or whatever a lot does that like some business majors require you to get an internship construction management requires it or they most won't even let you into the program if you can't show you can line up an internship because you're just a waste of time at that point if you can't get a job in this business that's so hands-on what are they going to be able to teach you yeah. You know, um, I think I'm sure I, I asked you this before. What's the difference between an associate's degree and a bachelor's degree? Uh, two and four years. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So two year degree. Um, I think at any college though, four year colleges, I don't think that they actually give you an associates, um, unless you like ask most likely because you're going to drop out. Okay. Um, Associates are typically given at community colleges because community colleges don't have four, aren't four years. Right. They're not, they don't have a, they, they're not a, a, I think definitionally they're an associates only and then a stepping okay. stone to a four year university. Gotcha. Um, 
there may be some that allow four-year programs, but I, I, I believe that technically speaking, community colleges are there specifically for the two-year, hmm. um, the two-year program. And then what most people do if they want higher education after that is they apply and go uh, get in at a, uh, at a four-year university. Transfer the credits and do all that stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and if they can, and that's becoming that's a whole separate issue. As um, colleges have become more exclusive and more expensive, um, and everything, credits transfer less, I believe. Mm. Make it even more fucked up. <laughs> yeah, um, even from four year university to four year university, my girlfriend transferred from Oregon to UW because she's a good person, and. Um, because Oregon sucks, and she made a mistake by going there. Quack quack. And then, yeah, and then she rectified that mistake um, <laughs> by coming to the U, and then she further rectified it by dating me. Um, and uh, so, you know, so she was absolved of those sins. But she she had a hell, she had a hell of a time with some of her credits transferring. Hmm. And it's like, I, on one end, I'm like, I wouldn't take any credits from Oregon because it's a shit school and from a shit state. And so like, <laughs> sound off in the comments, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, um, but I liked her and she's smart and she works hard. So like her, she took all these courses, like they should transfer. It's like, not like she didn't do the work. Right. Um, you know, and just because it was easier in a subpar education, you know, cause it's Oregon doesn't mean that she isn't deserving of of the, of the credits. Right. And it, I've heard <laughs> horror stories of that shit uh, from community colleges and from other four year universities. It's like, Oh, we don't accept your calculus class. And it's like, I don't under like, or that, that English class doesn't translate here. And it's like, uh, you know, to, to a course here. And it's like, I don't understand why, like I took their intro class. Why didn't it count for your intro? Cause yeah. You know, we read these books and they not yours. Like, were they not as woke? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> Um, and so, or were they too woke in which case fair enough, but you know, I, I still want the credit cause I took the damn class, you know, um, paid for and took the class. Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking expensive. And like in her case, it was out of state. So it was even more expensive, um, cause her family lives in Washington. So, um, yeah, it's like, th- that's just, just absurd to me. Like the, the, the credit transfers and stuff. And, uh, but yeah, it's, um, and associates don't really, they get you like, Nowadays in particular, like it's, I think you're better off going to a trade school because you can get, um, some schools offer like a full certification in two years. Yep. You know, and it's, um, like that's better than having an associates in accounting. Yeah. 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 Way more useful, more jobs you can find doing that. Right. And like my mom actually got her associates in accounting, um, when I was a kid. And um, she ended up getting a job and was there for like 10 or 12 years um, as a result. And then, but it was hard when she was let go from that job because they downsized, um, which is a separate thing because they should have fired her boss, not her because her boss was useless. But um, having just an associate's made it hard for her to get a job. And so she went back to school and got a certificate as a medical coder, um, which is, I believe is actually what uh, Trina does from jujitsu. Okay. Um, on, on the back end, from what I understand, what she such they do is um, they will on the back end in, in hospitals and whatever else is they will they will code 
the reason for everyone's visit so that they can bill insurance properly and, and stratify and know how things are okay. done. Yeah, yeah. And so um, there's more to it than that, I'm sure, but like, you have to get trained for that. And she got a certification and then she's had the job she has now directly from that. Um, she got hired like right out of it. My mom's also a fantastic worker and absurdly intelligent. Um, that's cool. Didn't... That's a way to get, you know, a, a good job without over-educating yourself. Like, you well, know, if yeah, you, if you have minimal resources, you want to do a couple of years of school and then, you I know, mean, yeah, and like job. She, she worked out well. Yeah. She couldn't afford it out of high school. Um, she wanted to go to college. She was a very smart student. I, I actually don't remember if she took the SATs or not, I think because she couldn't afford them. Mm. And um, so she ended up getting a job right out of high school to pay the bills, to help pay the bills with uh, her, my grandma and my aunt. And then she moved out at some point thereafter, but, um, and then needed a job and then it just never was in the cards. And then she wanted to get more, have a better jobs and stuff. And so she went back to school around the time she had my sister um, when I was nine or eight or nine. And she actually, well, I think she had given birth before she graduated and then was like raising a newborn. She ended up graduating at the top of her class and gave like the valedictorian speech for her graduation oh, at the local community college. Yeah. I, I remember that. I, I, she says that she wasn't top of the class. I think like someone couldn't do the speech. So they asked her to, she might've been like the salutatorian or something, but whatever the case, um, she did very well um, while raising a child, a newborn, but um, yeah, like she, she would have done fine at a four year university. It just didn't work out for her. Um, and which I think is why she was so adamant that I go is that she wasn't able to go. Yeah. And um, and that hindered her ability to get better and better jobs over time. Because during the 80s and 90s and, two, and early 2000s in particular, that, that, that was, I think we're seeing a transition from that now, but that was the period of um, you need a bachelor's degree to get a good job. And my guess is that in, in the future, when we're looking back on this as history, we're going to see that the stock market crash or the, the housing crash, sorry, um, of 2007 and eight is the turning point. I think I think that that'll be identified as the turning point of needing a bachelor's degree to get a better job, mm, because okay. when the market cra when the market crashed and everything went to shit, people lost homes and jobs. And so the job market was flooded with overqualified people for shit jobs because they just needed to make rent. And so all these kids were in college and they have no experience and they're equally educated. So you're going to hire the person who's got more experience and the same amount of education. Like it's just yeah. what you're going to do. Yep. And, um, and so all, all the college kids got fucked. I was in school during that period because I graduated in 2010. Okay. And uh, I got lucky and got a job six months out of graduation. Okay. My best friend went back to graduate school because he couldn't find a job. That mm -hmm. wasn't his only reason, but I, I know that was part of it. Yeah. Is that we lived together after we graduated for a year, and he went back to grad school during that time because finding a job was so hard with a bachelor's. Did you get a job in your field of study, or you just oh, found no. something good? No, no. I, 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 got, I, I got an English degree. Okay. And so the, the only actual – like there's like – there's very few fields of study that you can – directly apply an English degree to. Um, you can be a writer, which is useless because you, you're going to fail at writing. Um, statistically speaking, yeah. 
you will you will fail. And, well, and there's, there's no requirement little, to have that degree. Either you exactly. wrote a good For, book or yeah. you didn't. And yeah, yeah. And and even then, that that's iffy because there's plenty of good books that no one reads, and there's there's a whole fuck ton of shitty books that everyone reads. <laughs> I've gotten eighty words into Twilight, and that woman's a nine figure millionaire. Yep. Right. Um, J.K. Rowling's like the wealthiest woman in the world. And I love the Harry Potter books, but she was a single mother with no college experience. And she's not that good of a writer. She's a very good storyteller. There you go. Yes. Right. That's the key and difference. So, like, I, yeah, no, it is. And like I, I, I've, said, I've said this multiple, multiple times, probably on the podcast, but at least in, 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 in when I'm talking with pe- friends of mine. But like I, I love the Harry Potter books. I thought they're fucking great. But as an English major and someone who really likes words and I have a proclivity towards harsh editing, like my girlfriend will let me edit papers that she wrote in college because I used <laughs> to edit them too harshly and it would make her cry. And I never meant it to be mean. I just I'm just a harsh critic. And um, I, I'm the teacher that no one would want to have because I would just rip everyone a new asshole. Yeah. And so when I approach the books that way, she's a terrible fucking writer. There are some things she does okay from a writing standpoint, but her storytelling is on point. And so it doesn't matter really how bad she is because her storytelling is so good in those stories that, and that's how a lot of fantasy writers are, is that their world building is so intense that the writing doesn't need to be good. And she happens to be good enough that I understand why she's more popular than other fantasy writers. Because there's a lot of fantasy writers who have crazy worlds, and the the writing is so bad, I don't want people to get through it. Um, there's a new show out on Netflix called like Shadow and Bone, hmm. and it, I forget the name of the, the the I think it's a lady author, but I, I forget her name. But uh, like 15 books, there's been like branch offs. The Shadow and Bone series, I guess, combines two different branch offs from the same world, and this and this and like mixes them together, and um, she sold like m- millions of copies of her books. And my girlfriend's read through them all. And even she, she like refuses to put books down. She loves reading what I would consider to be poorly written books and she'll read through them. And she had a hard time reading through them. Mm. And I tried to read a page and was like, this is horrendous. Why is this woman a millionaire? Why does she keep getting book deals? Why does she get a Netflix special about her books? Like why? I don't understand any of it. It's so fucking bad. And people eat the shit up. Storytelling over writing. Yep. And so like, you know, like you said, you don't need a degree for that, but getting a creative writing degree can help for sure. Yeah. Um, editing, that's the big one. Okay. Um, but uh, editing is the big one. Corporate teaching? editing, editing, teaching is the, is the main one. Everyone's okay. like, oh, you want to be a teacher. And it's like, I actually never wanted to be a teacher. All right. I didn't in college. Before yeah. college, I would have been fine to teach. I actually would have. And now I actually do teach kids, but I teach them something different. Right. Um, I would hate to teach elementary school, junior high, or high school. Oh, God, no in the schools um i i have much more freedom to teach how i want to teach the way i want to um in a jujitsu gym i can also be harsher with the kids too not that i want to do that or like to do that but i have the freedom to do so yeah it you you, you can't really come down on kids anymore for fucking up which still blows it, my mind it does. And I'm not, I'm not advocating a return to the 60s and 70s where, like, you had paddles and shit. I don't think that that's the right way to handle it. But, like, I call out kids in classes when they when they do dumb stuff. And I don't mean, like, they do a move wrong. Like, 
I tell them not to touch someone else while I'm showing a move or while they're waiting in line to do an exercise. And then they touch them. I'm like, go to the bench for the rest of the class, like now. And then they cry and I ignore them for the whole period because like they <laughs> fucked up. It's like, you don't stomp on someone's foot or like slap them. Like yeah. we're not playing. That's growing play up. A game where, <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Like if we're playing a game where I, I tell you to slap your buddy, then slap your buddy. That's fine. I don't care. Regulate how hard you do it according to what your buddy wants, but slap away. But when you're leaning against the wall, watching me show something and you're like hitting your buddy in the chest, like I don't put up with that shit. You can go sit on the bench. You're not going to get a mark your card for the day. Today's the day you didn't even, you basically didn't show up today. You can go cry to your mom about it and your dad. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> now, thankfully I've had no parents be like, you can't treat my child that way. Cause I would just tell them to leave. Well, not, learn, not just learning jujitsu, you're learning respect. Yeah. That's, that's and I might try and part. talk to them first before I tell them to leave. I'd be like, look, like I'm not going to allow them to disrespect that way. Like they need to learn this stuff. This isn't just about learning how to front flip. Yeah. But if you have a problem with it, you can. We have a karate program. <laughs> I don't like. I don't care. I, I don't. <laughs> Pawn them like off to the kid. other instructors. Yeah, or like you can go somewhere else. Like I don't like your kid enough to to grovel here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, this, we have some good kids. I like the kids, but I don't like any of them enough to be like. I will do whatever your parent says so that you stay. There's not one of the kids where I'm like, no, you could. I trade you for another kid. You're not mine. <laughs> I know that sounds harsh. And if there's any parents of the kids here, I'm sorry. <laughs> your kid, your kid's the exception. Wink, wink. Like I, I just say I'm a real, I'm realistic that way. I just say, and I'm not, I'm not really mean with them. I, I fuck off with them all the time and play a lot. And, but there are times like you get, you have to be a disciplinarian. And I, I don't think that you can get away with that in schools. And there's also like, I, this is a fear I've always had. And, um, it's probably an irrational one, but, uh, and then my buddy's uh, uh, ex-wife became a teacher. And, you know, he, she's uh, a year younger than me. She's 32. And she talked about this a lot as well. Because um, I remember asking her, my biggest fear is like, the, especially in high school, is like the uncomfortability of dealing with, you know, raging hormonal late teens. Yeah. I don't want to deal with, with, with that tension. And she, she mentioned that she, you know, if I remember, I can't remember exactly how she phrased it, but she, she basically was like, you know, you get a lot of uh, um, uncomfortable situations. And I'm not trying to be in an uncomfortable situation with teenagers. I just don't want to be in those situations at all. Yeah. Um, it's just like, no, it, uh, not trying to. And I'm not, you know, I, I'm not saying that something's going to happen. I don't know. Um, I just would rather avoid that situation entirely. So I do a sport where you're grappling. And parents can watch if they want. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm gonna fucking worry about it. Like, yeah. if you want to come watch your, your kid grapple with me, that's fine. Um, I'm gonna have him grapple with other people. Like, it, it's so, like it, you because you might ask yourself, like, well, then why did you choose to grapple with kids if you're worried about uncomfortable situations? And it's like fair enough because it's it's a martial arts. So that's what what you do. Um, it's a very different uncomfortability. It's a very yeah. different uncomfortability, you know, and. Um, and parents can watch. So I'm not, I'm not concerned with those situations. And there's like more and more movies out about this kind of shit too. Like that's the other thing too, is like, a, there's like a, one of the more popular movies on Netflix for a few months was a movie about, uh, what was her name? Kate Mara or something like an attractive Hollywood lady who is a teacher who falls for an 18 year old or 17 year old high school boy. Was that like a play on is, Mary Kay Letourneau or just a different story? Probably. Okay. I mean, it, it's, everything is a play on that 
since that became popular, since Mary Kay Letourneau became popular. But, um, but like that, basically it's like, it was like a Netflix movie. And it's like, we don't need to glorify this shit. This is not good. This is not the kind of thing. No, like I, I'm, I'm sorry. It's also unrealistic because the, the boy character is like 25 in real life. So it's just weird because <laughs> he doesn't look like a fucking eight, like a 17 year old kid. Right. But whatever the case, it's, it's irrelevant. It's like, I, I don't, you know, I grew up with Mary Kay Letourneau that came about in the nineties. I remember that. And then I remember as a young kid thinking that would be so cool because she was cute mm-hmm. and I like cute girls. And I was like, and I, you know, when I hit puberty, I was like, that would be super cool. <laughs> Dude, as people don't want to acknowledge it, but there is a fucking difference. And I'm not saying it's okay or she gets a pass or anything like that, but you really got to acknowledge it is different. You know, if if a grown ass man is picking up on a high school girl, that is very different than a female teacher picking up on a male student. Yep. No, it it 100 is, and um, I've and actually they were done married a of- for a long ass time. Like they recently got they divorced. Just got- yeah. last year yeah. yeah yeah um so i remember that yeah um so i did a little bit of like not extensive research but some research into this uh at the beginning of the pandemic i think okay. might have been right before but um because there was a right before the pandemic there was a rash of um the news had picked up on a couple of different scenarios where teachers and students were sleeping together and it was female teachers and boy students okay and so i i looked into this and the, like i found like half a dozen to a dozen of them in a, in, mm. in a very short period of time. And so it's like apparently much more common than you would expect, which yeah. is terrifying to me too. But I don't believe in any case that the word rape was used. Statutory rape or just plain right. rape. Um, I don't think it was used in any article that I found in all of the different cases. I've never seen an article where a male teacher has a relationship with a student, generally a female student, but a student where the term rape wasn't used. That's a good point. Yeah. And it's, it's um, yeah, you're right. And and fair enough. Like, I think the term rape should be used in those situations, regardless of who's doing what. Um, If I remember correctly, there was a school counselor in my high school. I actually do remember that he was, he he was, uh, he settled and left, but he um, came under fire because basically he was grooming young girls. Oh. Yes. He um he didn't as far as I'm aware, he didn't sleep with any of them while they were in high school. Okay. But he he slept with at least one of them while she was in college. But mm. the, they were able to essentially show that um the texting between them had started in college in high school. And and she he was her counselor. And, um, yeah, and he was also really. married with kids too. And, oh, and I, uh, uh, yeah. And so, um, he was my counselor interestingly as well. And, um, he was a useless counselor as far as I <laughs> could tell, but, um, that's cause you're a boy. He was most, most I, interested in the girls. Yeah. But, um, but uh, he told me my prospects for getting into college were slim and that, um, I should rethink what I was doing. And that if I was going to apply for college, I should apply for easier to get into schools than UW. And oh. I was, so I was like, fuck you so very I, so much. Like, I, was, I was like, hold my beer. And I just applied yeah. to the UW and got in. I was like, <laughs> fuck you, bitch. Like, it is, 
to be fair, like I, I, I did fuck off a bit in high school, even though I did fairly well, but w- whatever the case, I digress. Um, yeah. And I think the term when articles were written about him and him settling with the school, cause they threatened a lawsuit and everything. And he threatened a countersuit claiming defamation. Um, I think that they actually used the term statutory rape and grooming to describe what he allegedly could have done. Even could though there was done. no proof that he had, cause like, if he was grooming from a young age right. and he had actually slept with someone under, while they were in school, that would be considered statutory rape in the state of Washington. Yeah. And so they, if I remember correctly, one of the articles was essentially like alluding to the fact that he, he could have done that. And then they used the term rape to describe it, which is fair enough because that's what it would be, would be if he did it. But it was like in this instance, he hadn't actually been convicted or charged of anything. And they're still using the term. And yet all these there's like a rash of these lady teachers who literally were engaging in this shit, all of whom admitted to it. Word rapes not used once. Huh. And there, there yeah. is that there is a disconnect there. And um, I think people are afraid to call a spade a spade. Yep. And and. I, you know, it's it's obviously in some part going to be social, um, if not all, all social. Like I, I don't know why that perception is different. Um, yeah, you know, it's maybe it's partly different because young boys are um, more likely to be at least on initially into the idea. Yep. Maybe that has something to do with it. And I'm not suggesting these little kids, these young boys, weren't. Um, At least manipulated. Yeah. At least 100% manipulated. Like, because that's all very, very true. But, like, as a young boy who had crushes on many of my female teachers, like, I don't think I personally would have understood at that age, like, what that meant. Right. I think I just would have been excited to explore my sexuality, um, but with someone I found attractive. Yeah. You know, it, because I was a young boy and I'm not, I'm not the, uh, I don't represent the, um, the main feeling there. Like I, I could be the majority. I could be a minority there. I could be one of the weird kids who would, would have you know, thought I was fine with it. Right. I, I don't know, you know, but um, I also don't know because it didn't happen to me. So it could have happened. And then I was like, I don't like this. This is not what I signed up for. Yeah. Um, but there, there is an odd disconnect. I mean, <laughs> Van Halen, they have the, one of their most well-known songs from the eighties is hot for teacher. Yep. <laughs> like <laughs> the great video. To go with yeah. It. yeah. You know, and well, there's so many, you know movies about attractive teachers doing things you know but varsity blues has the sex ed teacher who's like kind of buttoned up and then she's like a really sexy stripper (laughs) you know and then cameron diaz plays like a you know she's a kind of just a a piece of shit adult who gets a job as a sub teacher and then finds her calling as a substitute and it's like the hottest teacher that's ever lived because it's cameron diaz yeah i forget the name it's called bad teacher okay okay it, like <laughs> you, you have all these, it, it, so I think there's definitely a, there's a warping of of that mindset and um, of how we approach that situation, which is very interesting to me. But um, I don't want to put myself in that kind of a position. So I'm just, like, I, teaching in schools has never appealed to me for that reason. Um, I don't want to teach junior high because they're fucking crazy. Yeah. All of the hormones are just coming about. So it's like it's way I think it's worse than high school because they haven't had any time to like deal with the shit. It's just three years of a flood of body changes. Yeah. Well, and they're not necessarily there voluntarily either. Like they have to be there. 
So the yeah. level of interest is going to be anywhere from, you know, somewhat interested to could care fucking yeah. less. And, yep. Yeah. And I couldn't spend all day with kids that are under 12. I'd probably go insane. Um, though I, I, I like the younger kids, like seven to eight are fun. Um, but I don't know if I, like, it would be difficult to handle it for six hours or eight hours or whatever um out of the day like it just it would just be insane to me like that's just so much time yeah so much so much fucking time yeah and there's not much other like i could be a professor so i, I but i have to go get a, gra- a, a phd and i actually thought about doing that and i uh, applied and took the gre and all that did terrible on the gre because i didn't study properly mm. um and then needed to get a job to pay bills and then here we are 11 years later there you go. You know, and it's like there just really isn't much like. Uh, well, and now eleven years later, that's probably the last place you would want to uh, hitch your wagon for a long term oh, career yeah. is the university system right now, especially in English. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. No. I mean, I don't no, think they would legally allow you. You're too white. You're too <laughs> male and too straight. Like, there's no way. <laughs> Which is very true. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I know it's a, it, I really like English though. And I think that it's interesting because as it's applicable directly, English is probably one of the worst degrees you can get. The only degrees that I think actually, and they've done studies on this, like rank ordered studies. The only degrees that are actually worse are art degrees, dance degrees, and any kind of gender or feminist study degree. And sounds right, yeah. <laughs> we've talked a lot about like woke culture and stuff, and, and that directly stems from feminist and gender studies um, in colleges, it, you know, and it mutated into those um, over time. And so, on that front, it makes sense. But what the studies actually sh- uh, are designed to show is not that it's too woke to get a job or anything like that. It's nothing like that. Either it's like weirdly corrupt and ideologically bent, which is all true. It's that. The job that there's no translatable jobs. Yeah. Like it it's almost impossible to get a job in an art field or a dance field or a music field because the barrier for entry is so fucking high because everyone's talented. Like you, you, everyone who wants to do that shit, you're not competing against the average lazy high school student who practices two hours a week in their off time when they're hanging out with friends. You're trying to get a job against other people who do this eight hours a day. Yeah. And if you are and competitive in that job market, it is not because of your degree. It's yeah, because and of it's the not, talent and the work yeah. you put in. Exactly. And the degree doesn't matter yeah. at that point. You you learn you learn functional skills with those degrees, of course, but it's difficult. And the, and the, the number of jobs available is small and it's non-scalable. You can't scale like writing an album, like album sales scale, but the actual process itself doesn't scale. Right. Like you have to write prolifically. Um, what was it? Uh, 5% or f- f- like 75% or something of all classical music is derived that we listen to today is derived from five composers. And you could probably name mo- at least four of the five, but um, like everyone could, yeah. you know, Tchaikovsky, uh, um, Wagner, Beethoven, Mozart, and one other, um, probably Chopin. 
That's probably the five. I actually don't know, but I know five right there. They comprise like well over 50%, I think it's 75% of all, maybe even more of all the classical um, uh, pieces of music that we listen to today. And those pieces comprise 5% of the total repertoire of all five of those composers. So I'll say that again. Basically, all the classical music we listen to is done by five composers. And so you take all the all those and you plug it into those five. And then you take the music that they wrote, and it only represents 5% of each of their individual like production output. So yeah, 95% yeah. of the shit that they produce in their lifetimes, we never even hear. So that's how prolific they are, because we hear a lot of classical music. Right. And it's like, it's not scalable though. Like that isn't a scalable model. Like they, they basically spend 20 hours a day composing and they spent their whole lives doing it and no one listens to all of it. And, but you go create an app on your phone or a phone, or you create a program or some kind of an engineering marvel uh, that can be rep- reproduced cheaply, infinitely. And all of a sudden you have a scalable issue. Yeah. Like, in artists, I think to some degree, or, or dance and stuff like that, is is a bit more scalable than like nursing or social work, because you can only see right. so many people in a day, right? Like there, there's obviously is, there's even a dramatic difference there. Um, but the art, dance, and that kind of stuff, they're high risk, high reward. You're probably going to fail, period. And if you don't, you probably will do poorly. And if you get very lucky, you'll do very well. And it's basically nobody. Yeah with like gender and feminist, uh, it's really gender studies and women's studies. Um, wh- there actually isn't very many women's studies departments. I think it's basically all gender. It, it doesn't matter. Those kinds of studies, there's no job market. Like th- there, there's isn't a job market to have. And so you, you can work in social work. You can work um, for Planned Parenthood. You could get it. You could, you could get a, a dual psychology degree and deal exclusively with, with women generally, or or maybe minoritized communities, which fair enough, but you got to get a dual degree. And usually you need a graduate degree to make any money. Um, you can work, uh, in like trauma centers and stuff. So for like abuse, domestic sexual abuse, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing, that's hard work, obviously. And you have a proclivity towards it because you're getting a degree that focuses in particular on the studies of women. But what they actually teach isn't so much like how to deal with trauma. It's more about how, I mean, and I say this honestly, not jokingly, it's about dismantling patriarchy. And so there's, they're different things. Um, I don't think that if you're dealing with Trump PTSD victims, you should cure them by telling them or trying to help them dismantle a patriarchy. That seems counterintuitive to me, but whatever the case, um, there, there, like there isn't a lot of, in the job market. And so it's like, you're, you can work for nonprofits that advocate for social justice and equality, but they're nonprofits who don't bring in a lot of money. You're just unless you get a job to be poor. Jeez. Yeah. Unless you get a job at BLM, but good luck, unless you're a black woman. And I mean that seriously. Yeah. Um, that's not even a joke. That's actually a serious thing. Um, and if, for those of you who are listening, if you're curious what I'm referring to, look up Hawk Newsom. He was uh, he's one of many um, uh, bl- black men uh, who uh, at first led Black Lives Matter chapters in different cities in the in the country and have been stepping back to make way for black women. And fair enough, give them a voice. I love it. That's great. But um, the message was very clear, like this is a black female led corporation. So the odds that if you're not a black woman, you're going to get a job there is slim and um because of that and 
again, fair enough. But if you're a young white middle eight, middle class white woman is looking for a job, you're probably not going to get it there. So look elsewhere. And even if you do get a job there, regardless of race or gender for that matter, it's not clear to me what they're doing with their funds. Right. No, you, you can be utilized and, as a useful idiot, whether it's you know passing out flyers yeah. or, or what have you. But yeah, there'll be zero advancement opportunities for sure. Yeah, and people have started to do more and more research into where the money that's been donated goes, and it's very unclear. It's very murky, and there isn't, yeah. and there's been a huge number of families, in particular families of um, po- uh, of victims of police shootings. Um, Breonna Taylor's mom, in particular, is what comes to mind. Mm. Uh, she's, from what I gather, is unless it, this is fake, um, but from what I understand, it's not. She's actually just like furiously pissed at BLM for. A, initially propping her up and her daughter up as like this here's another example of you know white police brutality and then as soon as the media dies down they don't help they don't raise any money to help uh, bury her um set up support funds help the family because she had an income like they just basically left her on the lurch and moved on to the next media sensation um, they haven't been putting money apparently back into the communities they've been promising to put money into, which we talked about this countless times on, on the podcast. What happens when big corporations and the government decide to um, take power and try and control everything and direct where shit goes? The poor get fucked over. This is a direct example of that is you have this organization that have gotten hundreds of millions of dollars, I believe, in donations over the course of a year, like a huge amount of money, yeah. disgustingly large amount of money. And I have not as of yet been able to find a black community that they've given funds to. I'm sure it exists, but the overwhelming consensus seems to me to be that all these localized leaders are like, why the fuck are you not putting money into our poor community? You say you're for the poor black community and we've seen none of the money. You're using us to get money and then you're doing God knows what with it. Yep. Well, we know some like, of it, well, you know, got buying houses and whatnot. We got to buy houses for my family, yeah. you know. Um, but it's like I at that level, it's like I don't even do you want to work there? Maybe if power's the game, then yes, sure. But yeah, it's a. Um, there's there was one other degree that was uh, pretty low low on the totem pole in terms of uh, job potential teachers because mm. the pay is shit, like right. getting your actual teaching degree, but you need a master's for that. Like generally, I mean, you can get it with a bachelor's, but usually you get a, a bachelor's in like a subject and then you get the teaching certificate for that subject. Mm. But it's because the pay isn't very good unless you're a professor and it's hard to get tenures. So yeah. if you're like an elementary school teacher or like a public school teacher the pay is shit for the hours you put in you know like right. think like teachers make between like 50 and seventy thousand in the state of washington if i remember correctly it scales it's a little bit lower for newer teachers i think but that's it, not terrible wages but you i mean you work with uh demons seven hours a day in packed literal, classrooms i mean they're pushing what packed class 35 kids in a classroom or something nowadays yeah. and how many stories All have of, we yeah. heard of uh out-of-pocket expenditures from the teachers. Fuck, they have to spend so much of their own money yeah, because what, there's no resources. They spend hours of their own, it, not even just the money, it's the time. They spend hours upon hours of their own time outside of school developing lesson plans and shit like that. 
Um, and did I mention the kids are demons? <laughs> you have 35 evil motherfuckers. I mean, 34. There's probably one kid who is good. And then the rest are terrible little shits. And you have to corral them and teach them stuff they care nothing about. And quite frankly, I'm not even sure is beneficial in the grand scheme of thing. How a lot of the things that kids are taught is, I think, useless yeah. in the way that it's taught. But not that we shouldn't learn math and stuff, we should, but it's taught in a useless fashion. Um, but uh, yeah, sorry. I The whole education system just pisses me off. <laughs> it's just, it <laughs> fucking makes me angry. Man. Yeah. It's just, it's bullshit. And concerning. I mean, it's quite literally yeah, the future, fronts, right? Like, what the yeah. fuck? How teachers are treated as shit, how they're paid as shit, the resource, lack of resources is shit. And then the shit that they teach is it teaches shit. Yeah. So like, they're not doing themselves any favors, you know, by segregating second graders and telling them to identify the things that they have, the privileges that they have in their life. And then giving cupcakes to minority students and then not giving cupcakes to white students and then making them integrate again. Yeah. That'll like this is a literal healthy. example yeah. at a fucking public school in New York where like meanwhile parents me meanwhile yeah. in China the kids are not that not that they like this but they are being forced to work really fucking hard to learn a lot and most importantly become incredibly competitive on the international stage yeah so when it comes time for a company to hire workers and they need them to be the best who do you think is going to be taking over? Well, until they essentially get an HR claim. everybody else, yeah. frankly, uh, anybody yeah. that's not well, until, in a, a weird country. Yep. Yeah. Until they get an HR claim or they get uh, attacked on social media and then that'll change. Because it's kind of like what happened with Harvard, right? It's like the same thing happens with corporations is that they hire qualified people that work way harder from other countries, generally first world immigrants from South Southeast Asia. And, and then they get complaints about the lack of equity. And so they stop hiring. And that doesn't say that they're hiring people who aren't as competent. Um, but statistically speaking, that's most likely going to happen. Well, if it's if it's that's how math works, if it's 100 percent so. merit based, they're going to be more competent. It's not yeah. that they are being prejudiced against Americans. The Americans just got a shittier education. And frankly, if the company's big enough, you know, a lawsuit here or there to that end is just the cost of doing business. You're still going to yeah. hire the best people for the job. And if they're not coming from America, they're not coming from America. Um, yeah. yeah. Fucking crazy shit. Well, kids, about all I, teach yourselves. That's all I have their rant about. <laughs> yeah. Teach yourself. Yeah. Teach yourselves. Uh, Knowledge is out there. There's, there's nothing holding it back. You can learn whatever you want to learn. So get focused, be disciplined and, uh, learn what's going to help you out. Yeah. And, uh, I actually recently invested in a company that, tries to teach they provide resources for parents to help teach their kids about like fundamental principles on of economics and um how freedom works and shit like that mm, what's the name and of it it's called tuttle twins okay t-u-t-t-l-e twins and so they, they take the form of a i haven't read the books but i i, I invested in um their tv series okay they did a pilot TV series on angel funding, um, like Kickstarter. Yeah. And uh, they have a TV series where they have a couple of kids who are basically, they go through life and they're like, it's a sketch 
in, in color, so cartoon. Okay. And um, they learn about different principles in the world that um, generally I think kids should learn. And they're um, often, the one I saw was, uh, it talked about communism, which is partly why I invested because it was funny. <laughs> um, so like these two kids, they're in America and um, it's like communism's good. And then they're um, very sassy, very anti-communist, pro-American Mexican grandmother takes them in her like time travel like car and then they travel back to when she was a kid in Mexico or not Mexico in like Cuba mm. and I invested a few months ago before Cuba the riots really happened and then like shows them how bad it is and why it's bad and, like what's wrong it's just it's fucking hilarious her grandma's like the grandma's like super sassy and makes like curses every now and again and makes like sexual innuendos it's it's hilarious <laughs> it's, it's very inappropriate <laughs> excellent and they're like subtle ones like kids probably won't get them but adults will get it and they're funny yeah, yeah. um that's the way it's always like, been. She, you can look back at any yeah, of the old she, cartoons like, yeah, she like alludes to like drug use in it. I think at one point or something. Like it's, she's just a sassy like old grandma, and um, but uh, the the episodes are good. They're hilarious, and they just talk about like um, like I said, liberty, freedom, uh, capitalism, communism, socialism, um, how the the Federal Reserve works, uh, how banks function, how money how money's printed, like things that like aren't actually taught or taught properly in school. That's all the shit I didn't um, learn until I was 35. Yeah, yeah it's like the ABCs. Of, I think some of their deal. books is like the ABCs of accounting or the ABCs of money. And it's like an A to Z of like what each different letter stands for something that has to do with like how our economy works, you know. Oh. And um, but we I'll, I'll link their website yeah. in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, but yeah do that. It, they have a lot of books. They're, they're fun. Like I said, they're funny. The drawings are really good. They're they're tastefully done. Um not when that I was it would, watching the video, as quick, not that it would uh, sway my opinion, but do you know if they have any potentially cr- controversial uh, affiliations, like within a, a religious group or something like that? Um, I don't think so. I'm not sure. I didn't look. Okay. Um, but uh, as I was, as I invested and then uh, watched the uh, the sketch, I forget what they call it, a- animation, animatronic. I think that's what they call it. It's basically the sketch without color and and music. So it's just the voiceover with the drawings. Um, as I was watching it and and ever a few of the drawings would have color, but, um, I was watching, I was like, you know, the, the woke left is going to hate this. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But I was like, they're not going to have many legs to stand on because the family is a family of color. It's an immigrant family from like South America. And like, they're very clearly not white. And they're dropping like facts and shit, right? And yeah, but that, I mean, that doesn't matter, but it, it's the fact that they're, yeah. and like, it's a boy and a girl. And like the main person is, is a woman, the grandma, she like helps them. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's like, I'm like, how are they going to poke a hole in this? You know, like the writers are both white dudes. So, you know, maybe, uh, maybe that, that, that'll be where the problem's at, but at least the characters, like they're, it's a diverse set of characters, um, spitting truths. Hell Yeah. Dude, I'm gonna check this out. You got pick yeah, it, it's they're 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 funny. Like I said, the the, the stories are the um, episodes are funny. The um, the books I haven't read yet. I actually just kind of want to buy them all and see what they're like, and then give them to my best friend's kid because he's reading now. Very and, cool. Uh, Hell yeah! But there's like thirty of them, so uh, I um, plus I I can't keep getting him books. I for Christmas I bought him a a Jocko Willink book. Because he, because Jocko Willink uh, <laughs> writes kids, he, he has kids books. 
And so, uh, more than I, I one. I knew one about the one. He's, he's to keep going with those. He's nice. got two or three now. I think one's yeah. coming out this year, but he's got two at least. Just uh, Mikey and the Dragon, and then one other one. I think I bought the other one. Okay, but uh, yeah, they're great. Um, but I, I don't want to just like keep giving him a bunch of books. You know, it'll be the nerdy the nerdy uncle that right. always buys him book stuff. <laughs> Could get him something cool on occasion. But awesome. Well, there you go. Alternate information is out there, people. Educate yourselves. Make up your own minds. Keep this conversation going. Don't tribalize yourself. And maybe, just yeah. maybe, we can get through this. Well said. Have a good rest of the night, everybody. Or the morning, or the afternoon, whichever it is. Take care. Peace. Peace.